0: ABC Listen, podcasts, radio, news, music, and more. Time to head over new, to New York City. Tim Cass is there for us on Zoom. Tim, very good morning yes, to good you. Good morning,
1: Rod. Greetings from a uh, below freezing day here in New York Ooh, City. Below freezing? But hang on, it's. <laughs> shouldn't you be moving away from winter at the moment? I know it's February and it still gets cold and. Oh no, we're in the midst of winter. It can last through March as well, Rod. So, yeah, we're not escaping it until we get into sort of April, May, is typically spring flowers sprout. Mm. So, one of the things, of course, you
0: know, we think summer begins on the 1st of December. You know winter or you know the seasons don't actually begin on the first of the month; they actually begin really towards the end of the month, so you know maybe you've had only about six weeks, seven weeks of of winter anyway um, and people always want like a white Christmas, but it's more
1: likely to snow at this time of the year, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so well, as a matter of fact, Rod, we haven't had snow in a couple of years. There's been a few dustings, but nothing significant until this Tuesday, this week. We had just over eight centimetres of snow that fell during the commute um, in the morning. So it kind of brought New York to a standstill. It's interesting how snow can really... Um, stop the city in its tracks and they they close the schools and businesses tell people to work from home and um it's a big event when the, when there's a snowfall here in new york city they were predicting up to six inches um we got 3.2 in central park but um it's always surprising to me how such a big city that with so many people can really come to a standstill when there's a snowfall
0: well i remember that first morning I've i've mentioned this before i'm sure the first morning I ever spent in New York, it was freezing cold, there was a lot of ice and there was the bloke, not Willard Scott or Al Roker, but another NBC weatherman doing a a stand-up in Central Park wondering what the best de-icer is best for your dog. And you know, it was a (laughs) wonderful New York moment. But I can imagine when it does start snowing, the people who are most interested in how much snow is falling are the kids in school.
1: Oh, of course. Yes. The kids are so happy because they get a day off school. They go sledding in all the parks and Central Park and all the parks around the city. So it's a big day for them. But speaking of ice, Rod, I have to tell you, when it snows, it's usually around freezing. It's not below. And a couple of days since the snowfall, it's dropped. So all this snow has frozen to ice. And as I've mentioned before, I get around on a city bike. So one of the city bikes I went to use yesterday, they have a basket on the front of them, and I can tell you it was basically full, the basket was full of ice. I'd never seen such a thing before. So it wasn't melting, it wasn't going anywhere because the temperature was below freezing, but um, I was cycling around the city with a basket full of rock-hard ice. And how
0: difficult is it then to ride? Because there's got to be ice on the road. You're going to slip and crash or something like that, surely?
1: Yeah, they call it black ice because when it freezes on the um, pavement, it turns black. So you do have to be very careful. But I have to say, even though it's turned bitterly cold, the sun has been out. So, you know, you want to be outside enjoying the bright sunshine.
0: And that's what you were doing. What, but, I mean, how far can you ride your bike? You can go all the way down to Battery Point, you know, there on the, the water, and then what, ride it all the way up to Harlem? Or what's the, the furthest you've ever ridden the bike?
1: Um, I've ridden the bike all along the West Side Highway, which is the Hudson River, all the way up to the George Washington Bridge. I mean, New York is very bike friendly these days. I've talked about this in the past, and you know there are bike lanes everywhere, and um it's definitely becoming more of a bike city
0: and you're there part of it all righty now
1: yes I, we
0: don't often talk about sport; we talk about <laughs> you going to restaurants and going to art galleries and things like that, which is fantastic. We want to hear that slice of the big apple. But it was the biggest, not only sporting event, the biggest TV event just yes. about in history on, well, Sunday your time, Monday morning our time, the Super Bowl. Now, uh, look, for some people, they may think Taylor Swift was part of the entertainment. She wasn't. She was just in the grandstand. I <laughs> agree. And, and she's mm-hmm. listening to the program now because she's t- trying to recover from jet lag flying into Australia today. But... Uh, how many people watch this, and why do you reckon so many people watch it? Was it because of
1: Te Swizzle? I think so. I think you know Kelsey and Tyler there's been a lot of interest. I mean she is such a popular artist at the moment, but Rod, they reported that one hundred and twenty three million people viewed the Super Bowl this year now I'm not a big sports fan as you mentioned. We don't really talk about it, but I do watch it because they have incredible commercials that they these um Brands pay uh, $7 million for a 30-second commercial during the Super Bowl. And right. I have to tell you, there's more commercials than there is action on the field. So uh, there's a lot of interesting commercials to watch. And then, of course, there's the halftime show, which uh, Usher performed at. He didn't get such great reviews this no, year. because it was very terrible. Fact-
0: <laughs> no, I was. I mean, yeah. seriously – Usher is not the sort of person you need. Someone who's going to really rev up the crowd. Yeah, I know he was going around on his roller skates, but I didn't know any yeah. of the songs. And fair was enough, younger people probably do. But you've got to have, you know, a big. Na- I know he's a big name star.
1: You've got to have a big name star that's going to appeal to everybody, and he is not that person. I have to admit, I did enjoy the du- duet with um, Alicia Keys. And I have to say, I don't know where they got that red piano. Did yes, you see that red I piano did. on stage? I'd never seen anything like it. It was right out of the future, but I loved it. It was mm, the okay. best part about the show. So you're saying thumbs up
0: to the uh, to the halftime entertainment. What about, what about the actual match, oh,
1: the game itself? Um, well, it was a nail-biter because, of course, it went into overtime. And, um, you know, very happy that... Uh, the uh, Kansas City team won, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think it keep, kept everyone entertained. You know, as as we mentioned, I like the Alicia Keys part of the halftime yeah. show. The rest of it, oh, the okay. roller skates, I thought it was no. very eighties, so a bit oh, of a throwback. Goodness. But uh, apart from that, I thought uh, just the Alicia Keys section was the best. Okay. But, um, well,
0: the Chiefs did win twenty-five to twenty-two, and you know. Oh, I don't know. I don't know whether people don't like them because of Taylor Swift or Trailer, as we would call her and Travis. Uh, I don't know, but, you know, good luck to them. Uh, when you're young and in love, you know, when you're on the top of the world, fantastic. Now, however, that is at one part of the American dream. Then we have the bottom part of the American dream, which is, <laughs> well, what's happening in Australia, what's happening in a lot of countries around the world, and that is a housing shortage now, very acute in New York because, you know, you are limited um,
1: in space, do you know? Yes, Rod. I mean, a, Rod. we're on an island. Yes, you're right. We're on an island and you can only build up and there's only a certain amount of apartments here in the city. And one of the things I don't think many people realize is that nearly 70% of the people who live in New York City actually rent their apartments. Mm-hmm. Only about 30% own them real estate here is the most expensive as we've discussed and uh, rents are very high and they only continue to increase because there is a severe shortage at the moment the they call it the vacancy rate is down to one point four percent typically it's around three point six and during covid of course it was way up over 4%. So that's about the highest it's been. During COVID, of course, you couldn't give apartments away. But um, now people are struggling to find them and supply and demand. This The demand is pushing prices up. So again, prices are continue to go up in New York. And you know, frankly, no one expected it to come back this way after COVID, but um, it's come back gang, gangbusters. So the population of
0: New York is 8 million people,
1: but it's been 8 right. million
0: since... The 50s. Remember, there are 8 million stories in the Naked City. You know, like, why is it that, is it I mean, you're getting, you know, taller buildings built and you've got room for people to live there. But surely it's more than 8 million now. It just seems like it's the only city in the world that has not increased its population in the last
1: 60-odd years. I think, Ron, it's because a lot of people come to New York. um, They... They find work, they find housing, but then eventually they move out. I mean, uh, the business model for the real estate company Corcoran is that, um, you know, you buy a house in New York and then you have a beach house in the Hamptons and then you eventually retire to Florida. And so there's been a lot of people exiting New York State for Florida. I think the most business in real estate is people... Leaving New York to go to Florida, so there's a lot of transition. People coming and going, and that's why it's great to work in the real estate market because people are always selling and always buying. So, do a lot of people live, you know, up
0: north of the city, for example, or even I'm sure they live in New Jersey as well and come in across the the river uh, and you know catch the train in. You often see. In a dormitory suburbs to the north of the city where people catch the train and commute in, there'd be a lot of people living there too, wouldn't there? Is that just True. expensive?
1: It's work from home. I think a lot of people are only coming to the city sort of three days a week and spending the rest of the time working from home, either upstate. I mean, Rod, we have people that even commute from Philadelphia just for the day to work in the city. Unbelievable. So that's about a two-hour train ride. But, uh, you know, if you live out on Long Island, that can be an hour and a half by train as well. So commuting into the city is a big thing. There's a lot of people that can't afford to live in Manhattan particularly because it is so expensive. So they have to live in the outer suburbs. And how much now
0: for a you know, one-bedroom, two-bedroom apartment in New York? What are you paying these days?
1: The average price right now has risen to dollars, $4,500, $4, which is a monthly fee. I think back home in Australia, it's typically a weekly, so you're paying over $1,000 a week That is for an apartment here in the city.
0: It's $1,000 US, which is about $1,500 Australian.
1: Yes, true. Exchange rate's not good at the moment. I was very lucky having a trip to Australia recently because uh, my US dollar went a long way.
0: You know, I'm amazed that you are amazed, that people would be amazed that um, (laughs) 70% of the population are renters. I would have thought it would be something like 90%. You know, you never hear about people owning their own place in New York. (laughs) It's always people trying to rent, isn't it?
1: Mm, I always felt when, you know, there's a lot of people looking to, you know, home ownership is a big deal in this country. Everyone's looking to own their home. And uh, it always seemed like there was a lot of selling and buying going on besides renting. But, uh, you know, renting is a huge portion of the real estate market.
0: Fair enough. All righty. Uh, Tim Cass is our man in New York City. The World Trade Center. Uh, We know the site of the terrible attacks in 2001. Uh, There's a new church has been built or opened uh, at Mm. the World Trade Center site. This might come as a bit of a surprise. Uh, I know that there were problems in the past when someone wanted to open a mosque nearby, and I think that was, uh, hit that on the head. This is a Greek Orthodox church. In Lower Manhattan. Yes,
1: Rod. Yes, this has been over 20 years in the works. And uh, I will say it finally opened about a year ago. Many people that have visited it told me that it was a must see. You know, having an architectural background, I was very interested in seeing it because one of my favorite architects, Santiago Calavala, is the architect for this. He also did the Oculus, which is the transportation hub and uh, shopping centre down in the World Trade. But uh, I went there recently because, you know, I'd heard so much about it and I thought I need to experience this. It really is the most perfect little jewel of a chapel or church down in the midst of all these skyscrapers in the World Trade Centre. And one of the things people had told me to go at night because it's been built out of this beautiful marble which is um, the same marble as the Acropolis was actually built from. And they had to get special permission from the Greek government to excavate the same marble to bring it to New York. And this marble they've used is very translucent, Rod. In fact, I went during the day, and I'm happy that I did, because when you're inside the chapel, there are actually no windows at all. Um, But the marble, as I said, is translucent, so light penetrates the inside of the church um, through the marble, and it's a very delightful space. It only holds about 200 um, people, so it's quite small, and it's elevated um, up above the uh, World Trade Memorial. So you can look down into the fountain. So uh, it's mm-hmm. definitely worth the trip. I do want to go back at night because mm-hmm. I've heard at night it glows from the inside out. So it's beautiful to see it from the outside. But um, it's a remarkable little piece of architecture. So, you know, the this particular church was the only church that was destroyed during 9-11. So there was a lot of uh, impetus to to replace it, and uh, I'm very happy to say they did. It's a, a beautiful piece of architecture and uh, yeah. well worth a visit. So we know there's a
0: lot of um, tragic stories uh, on September 11 that day, but uh, according to something I'm reading now, they had uh, some things that were lost from that church that was destroyed on September 11, uh, including um items donated to the church by Nicholas II the last tsar of Russia as in Nicholas and Alexandra um who were murdered um you know the uh, parents of Anastasia and the other the, the the Romanovs the the Russian royal family had donated items and they're gone destroyed that's just part of that uh, terrible story but it is a remarkable and beautiful looking building Spectacular,
1: and uh, as you say, that marble looks incredible. So, yeah, it's yes. a tiny little gem down there. So uh, I was very happy that I went to see it. But I will go back and see it at night. Okay. But I can tell you, Rod, one yeah. of the interesting things is, fortunately, no one was harmed uh, when yeah. the church was destroyed during nine eleven. So fortunately, everyone escaped. So that's the the good news that no one was killed at that time in that church.
0: Let's just go back, if we can, to real estate in New York. Reg in Rosebud wants to know. Um, do they have stamp duty or similar taxes? Because we have very expensive stamp duty and we'll be talking tax, in fact, in the next hour of the show. But um, stamp duty and negative gearing and things like that?
1: Oh, yes. We have transfer taxes that uh, everyone has to pay. So those can vary. Um, depending on the property and the location. But uh, oh, there's always taxes. The city is always, you know, you have to pay regular taxes on the property in addition to transfer taxes when you're selling or buying. Okay. So, but, uh, but with negative yeah.
0: gearing, you know, if you own that property and you are earning less than you're paying out and you can negatively gear it, is that also a tax lurk that they have in the US?
1: Yes. Yes, people okay. do. Claim appreciation on their taxes if something's not uh, not performing well. So, uh, yeah, that is something that's utilised right. here as well.
0: Okie doke. Now, uh, look, it's a long time since I've been to a party, Tim. Uh, I don't know. people. Do people still, uh, in post-COVID,
1: throw parties? <laughs> yes, they do, as a matter of fact, right? And just last week, I went to a pre-Valentine's Day party. And uh, one of the things that surprised me was that one of the... Um, events that they had at the party was a live tattoo artist. I had never seen or heard of this before, but after talking to several guests, I learned that uh, this is not uncommon to have at house parties. This was a beautiful loft down in the West Village, and uh, people were there lined up to get a little tattoo of a heart or a um, star on their arm or their leg, and uh it was a very popular event at this uh, at this party so, so what did uh, you get? <laughs> i passed oh, I mean, come I didn't on into having any um no body art myself <sighs> but um I was surprised how many people were willing to um i mean maybe they'd had a few drinks or maybe a few too many drinks but uh i I made sure that I refrained from um getting really? any tattoos so uh you never know. You wake up the next day and you're like, what did I just do?
0: Yes. Well, I mean, the thing is you've got to get it somewhere where people can't see it, Tim.
1: Right, which is interesting that they would have the event at a very public, open party. I mean, it's a private party, but people are not revealing areas that they might normally uh, have a tattoo <sighs> at a public event.
0: all righty well i'm stunned and and shocked and a little disappointed that you didn't indulge but next time if they become the done (laughs) thing there's going to be a hell of a lot of pressure on you uh tim to get that (laughs) tattoo uh people chanting all right and finally this morning we'd love to know where you've been going to dine and look you need to explain about alphabet city as well where is it and why do they call it alphabet city
1: Yeah, so as everyone knows, New York has avenues and streets and the avenues go from 1st Avenue on the east side all the way across to 11th Avenue on the west side. But downtown, there's actually the the island expands further east of 1st Avenue and then they started to name the streets by the alphabet. So you have Avenue A, Avenue B, Avenue C, Avenue D, It goes all the way, I think, up to E. So um, I've actually first, when I moved to New York, I lived on 6th Street between Avenue A and B. So they call it Alphabet City. Um, It's very popular simply with young people because it's very affordable and it's still close to the city. They have a beautiful park in the centre, which is called Thompson Square Park, and there's a a big dog run there, so it's very popular with dog owners. But uh, it's a very interesting part of the city. It doesn't really... It's not that accessible to... um, because there's no subway station directly there. But um, there's a lot of great restaurants, and it's a little bohemian. It's a little sort of grungy. Um, It's maintained that sort of atmosphere. And uh, I ventured over there last Friday night to try this restaurant called Eleven Tiger. I'm not sure why Eleven is in the name, because it had nothing to do with the address, but it was on Avenue A, and it was an old speakeasy which had a very unassuming entrance. In fact, it had a mural of a tiger on the door, and that okay. was all you could see. And it's on the second floor, um, which is the first floor in Australia, one flight up, yep. and it's this dark panelled room um, with a with a very large number of murals of tigers all over the walls. So very intriguing, very dark and cl- Dimly lit, uh, very moody, and they had a wonderful fusion of Thai and Japanese food. And uh, one of the things that uh, definitely entertained all the patrons was that some of the drinks came with a um, floating citrus on top and the waiter would bring a blowtorch to the table and fire the blowtorch to basically burn the top of the orange or lemon or lime or whatever was on the top of the – cocktail, and uh, it was quite a crowd-pleasing event to see this blowtorch smoking because they wanted to add a smoky flavor to the cocktail, so uh, they used it by having that blowtorch right there at the table. Well, it's like, you know, with a creme brulee or something. Yeah, like in the small one, like, like you would see in a creme brulee, yeah. but they were using it. Apparently, they used it on some of the um, food items as well and there's a particular steak that they serve that I believe they bring to the table and wow. they, they fire at ta- table side. God.
0: Um, and are there many speakeasies, old speakeasies in New York?
1: There are a few, right? Yes, I've been to several over the years. Um, you know, they stem from... pro. Prohibition. And alcohol wasn't allowed. So they're usually, you know, downstairs or upstairs. They're very rarely at street level. Mm. So uh and they're usually just sort of a little hole in the wall that is very discreet. Yeah. So um yeah, there's still quite a few still exist yeah. around the city.
0: You knock on the door and say Joe sent me.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Things like yes. that.
0: Ah, uh, there you go um, hmm. Chairs in Enmore says I stayed in Avenue B on my second visit to New York It reminded me of Enmore and Newtown And Thompson Park is great Thanks Ches Tim, thank you very much as always For that slice of the big apple And we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks Sounds great, right? Welcome back And <laughs> uh, look forward to speaking again righty, Tim Cass in New York City What a pleasure ABC Listen Podcasts, radio, news, music, and more.